Welcome to Wizard Team, a Black magical podcast for Black magical stories. Hi, everyone. It's Bayana, Robin, and Portia embarking on a journey through the many <laughs> fantasy stories written by and about Black people. Um, right now, we're discussing and reading Amari and the Knight Brothers by B.B. Alston. And today, we're talking about Chapter 7. Previously on Wizard Team. When did we discuss? Uh, so we finally learned something, the like minutest amount about <laughs> the Bureau of Supernatural <laughs> Affairs from Mr. Ware. Um, and he definitely sent her away with like, this is all you can get and read this little pamphlet for everyone else. Get out of my Come office. back next time. So that was fantastic, I suppose. Yeah. He said, you don't have to go like, home. You, you got to get out of here. We don't do that over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm on vacation, so you figure that out. I'm doing the bare Um, minimum. Absolutely learned that Amari's magical potential and ability is like thermometer breaking levels. And it's worrying to Mr. Ware, it seems, but also he has no answer. So it's also worried to her, worrying to her. But she can say, like Blue Ivy, that she's never seen a ceiling in her whole life. So. I'm just glad that we do get to see what happens, like what that actually means um, in this chapter. So she's not like waiting for, well, next chapter. She doesn't have a long time to go without figuring out what's going on with her. She's had to wait a lot so and far in this in this book. Sorry, I just realized. Like, she's been I'm like, she's been, she, she gets one thing and they're like, she gets one thing. It's like, nah, you can't open it for eight hours. And then she gets this other thing. It's like, nah, just show up tomorrow. Like she just, she has the patience of a saint. Like she really is out here. <laughs> the thing that's also like kind of funny about it is she does have to wait a lot, but then it goes really fast too. Like she has yeah. no idea what's happening. And then it's like, show up tomorrow. Be here, right. you know, like. <laughs> So it's both fast and it's like, she has to wait at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's basically uh, Flint Floss with like, why I gotta wait? Like that's she, that's her like anthem in life right now. That's that <laughs> part of the song because the rest of the song really does not apply to her. But why I gotta wait <laughs> is very much Amari's right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then we also learned. <clears throat> And I mentioned this, like, she just, she gets ushered away, and she has nothing with her but that pamphlet. So we hopefully, uh, her, she can learn more, um, and she is told that she needs to report at a certain time, at a certain place, uh, the very next day, to be included into whatever Quentin signed her up for. So again, does she know what she's being signed up for? No, not really. She just knows that she needs to show up for it. And that has something to do with something called the super, the Bureau of Supernatural Affairs. Yeah. Okay, so um, so we didn't start the chapter, and Amari is calling her mama on the phone while she's at work, and she knows she's not supposed to, um, which is like you know, big thing all kids do for varying degrees of uh 
what's the word like necessity (laughs) Um, so mom is already kind of like irritated that she is calling because it's not she's like are you okay there's no like medical emergency or anything um but Amari is like it is kind of an emergency because I have to be somewhere tomorrow um I know I'm grounded but I got she kind of is like telling her mom about this camp without telling her because of all the secrets and she's not really supposed to say that it's supernatural and all that but for her mom just hearing that it was Quentin's old summer camp she's kind of like okay like I'll call them and you know get more information but it kind of that explanation seems to be enough yeah um also so they have this in the pamphlet that she has they have this number um listed in the how to deal with non-bureau parents pamphlet so it's like the number that they call to get more information and it's like how you kind of tell them about the camp I guess which is I mean I think we'll get we'll get further into it there are like a couple other moments that come up in like later in the chapter um but it's just like really hard (laughs) because you like parents are like kind of giving permission for their kids to do this thing that they don't actually understand like what it is. So it's not. Yeah. I was thinking. Sensual. <laughs> I was thinking a little bit about that dumb wizard boy. And mm-hmm. I don't like when like kids were basically um, dying and getting petrified at Hogwarts. And we have like one of our, my all time favorite lines from Dean, which she was, he was like, my mama don't know nothing about no deaths at Hogwarts because I wasn't dumb enough. Like I wasn't gonna tell her, and I remember uh, like having the reaction of like, there is no way that that is okay for you to like not have a full understanding of like what's going on with your kid. What's going but on? Also, with your kid. it's not up also, to the like, kid to the tell potential... you that because if the kid wants to go, of course they would keep things from you, right? Like, right like Amari's on a mission like so yeah on her end yes it makes 100% sense why she would not be telling her mom that she's going to this place that is partially most likely the reason or had something to do with her brother's disappearance right but on a on the bureau side it's like like parents are trying to make informed decisions and they don't have all of the information and And there has to be a way to like for those non-bureau parents, there has to be a way to, like, give them information and, like, also ensure secrecy. Secrecy. And I think that, so, again, ha, Mercy Thompson. Like, one of the things that I really like about, like, that series is when, like, mundane people get brought into it. There's always the risk that they would go around and, like, you know, spill secrets, but, like, it's always told to them, like, very seriously, like, these people don't like to be talked about. And if they find out that you're talking about them, you, you and all of yours are in serious trouble and they will disappear. Mm-hmm. you, Right. Like mm-hmm. there's like a, like a scared into silence type of thing that just like makes them understand that like, not only do we keep these secrets and like are very serious about keeping these secrets, but like you are also unmatched mm-hmm. to go up against like, supernatural beings right so like i think that that in and of itself is enough right to be like okay i know this and then and we also know that they have like 
memory charms or whatever. So like tell the parents everything. If they agree, then it's like you were sworn to secrecy because and like here are the consequences of that. Right. And if they're like, hell no, my my kids are not going here, then you wipe their memory and then and, go on. You know, keep going. Yeah. It's just like they're ha- this is unnecessary. I could even see no. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> Cause I was like, I could even see like giving the parents all that information, having them consent with full knowledge and then wiping their memory. Maybe. Or like No, editing I feel memory. like you have to like continuously Yeah, maybe edit their memory. I could say editing, not wipe, but like edit in some way where like because the other thing, so we'll keep going. Like, so after Amari gets off the phone with her mom, she um opens her starter kit that she was given by Mr. Ware. And so it has like, one, it has her own copy of a thousand and one careers and it's the protected edition. Um, it's so protected. She can't read it. So like the pages are blank. Um, but then she also gets, um, this thing called true sight by voila pharmaceuticals, which the names in this book are amazing. Um, so they're basically eye drops. Um, and so when she takes them, we find out that like, she will see as the chapter goes on, like now she's able to see things she wasn't able to see before. So I could even see like, if if you're telling the parents all this information, but they can't actually see it, I think that also is still another level, level of protection, right? Even if you let them see it for like a minute so that they can actually believe what's going on, but then after that you take it away and then they, you know what I mean? are still going about their lives, not like aware in the moment who all is supernatural and who's not, I think that's still another level of protection that should work. If that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely like the further we get into the Bureau, which I think is the point. And so like, it's great. But like also the further we get into it, it's just like more and more secrets and like more things you're not allowed to know or say um, or like tell people. Um, so and then you're yeah. just stuck like does it have to be like this why does it right. have to be like at least I, that's how that's where I'm stuck at yeah <laughs> me right. personally it's just you know it's like this is the way they've decided to protect themselves but I'm also yeah. sure that back when they decided that this was the system to do that or like the right way to do that it wasn't like it was a full on uh, it wasn't a full-on system, right? Like, it, now it's, like, baked into their society, and it likely wasn't originally, and now it's like, okay, you're just adding things in to make it, to continue to keep yeah. the secret as things grow, but then it's like, now you're bumping into, like, ethical problems. For me, I read this chapter as it laying the groundwork for this not being by happenstance that it is actually tools of manipulation Mm. um, through like intimidation and like just keeping things um, purposely unclear because Mm -hmm. I've read so one they're making the newbie kids um, feel a kind of like loyalty to the bureau by already making them choose the bureau over their parents mm. when making decisions about stuff. So it's already kind of like enforcing this like 
undergirded like loyalty out of nowhere like just creating it and then with the true sight you're actively asking them to put a medical grade item onto their mm-hmm. system without them actually even have interacted with you enough to like trust you so you're inherently telling them they should trust you mm-hmm. and then you further continue to manipulate them so i'll and i'll keep talking about it as the chapter goes on yeah where they keep using tools of like manipulating this new person to feel like not only do they need to enforce like barriers between themselves and the family that they do trust but they also should have loyalty and trust for a system that they've just been introduced to mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely yeah. an indoctrination yeah like and I, I even even in the way that they like give information to um because it is so piecemeal and it is so like a little bit at a time um, it's also and, this like, idea of like enforcing in-group out-group behaviors like now you're mm, part of the in-group and those mm-hmm. are the out-group people don't don't spill the secrets to the out-group because you're part mm-hmm. of the in-group now yeah i was thinking about this as you were talking to portion like the idea that like i think it's like in the first letter that amari got it's like from ages 12 to like 18 or something like that mm-hmm. you can get um nominated so like there is a potential of like someone joining this world at like 15 16 17 18 right and the difference is in like development decision making discernment between a 12 year old and a 15 year old and an 18 year old and it's like neither one of them are great you know what I mean like frontal lobe ain't frontal lobe ain't frontal yeah but so like none none of those are like ideal times to make third like really thought out decisions but like goodness gracious the 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 span of like the decisions a 12 year old makes mm-hmm. especially in Amari's case where she is kind of and she says it kind of very explicitly later on in this chapter but like she's on a mission right and so she has like an end goal in mind and so a lot of considerations that I would think that like someone even a little bit older and who has been through a little bit more experiences would think of, even if, and I like to think that Amari is smart enough and, and kind of mature enough to, to have like thought about these things in a different circumstance, like in the circumstance that she finds herself in at this point, she's like, none of it matters. I'm taking yeah. all like, the Cause risk. there are moments where you can see her like have questions um, or just be like, huh, that's weird, or oh, that's really cool. I wonder what that is. I want to know more about that. But then also being like, at the end of the day, like it doesn't actually matter <laughs> yeah. to like my goal. So yeah, I think it's an interesting way to like, like an interesting viewpoint to come at it from, because then you can kind of like see all of the like workings around her but also see her just barreling forward, like whether she notices them or not, like it's an interesting way to, to come into the world. It's like, Oh, that's weird, but it's fine. Like whatever. Cause that's over here. And I'm like, I have, she has like tunnel vision, I guess. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's really interesting to, to view the world with that kind of like perspective perspective, I guess. Um, so she she puts the eye drops in. She's a little disappointed. So the there's like a what's the word? Um 
disclaimer on the true site bottle that's like, on the rare occasion you find yourself with x-ray vision, please consult a doctor. Um, she doesn't get x-ray vision, so she's just like, dang, that's disappointing. But <laughs> she didn't, she didn't. Enjoyed- Oh, go at ahead. this moment, shows her having difficulty getting the eye drops in. Yes, that was a yes. Issue I had as a child uh-huh. was like, oh, I blink too much for eye drops. Like I can't, I can't get them in. And it's like, like you dropped it like right under your eye, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Like I try to, um, because like now I do them all the time because you know allergies mm-hmm. or whatever. But like the few times that I try to like help Ami, she's like always cringing away. She's like, no, don't do it. No, this is horrible. I'm like, dude, it's not that like be still. So imagine like trying to do it on your own at that age. You're just like, and then she does a little dance. Like a victory dance. Yeah. The way that I just like, oh, oh, I just like, I couldn't. And like, now that I wear, I've been wearing contacts since like, I was either 17 or 18. So Mm -hmm. like, I've been wearing them for such a long time that like now, I'm, you just it's plop them in your eye. your eye, and I'm like, I, you're touching the plastic that's touching your eye. You're not touching yeah. the eyeball. Um, but the fact that I'm like so used to it, like it kind of like opens me up for things that I definitely would have like flinched and cringed and like had a red eye and been like, "F it, I'm wearing glasses today," kind of thing. Yeah, um, at a younger age than, especially even when I started at 17, 18. So yeah. It's, it was very cute to me because I'm like, that is a legit concern that I had. And I'm glad that it's being represented because it was, it was a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a knock on the door. Mrs. Walters is turned up to tell her off for sneaking out. Um, but as she's doing that, Amari's like, the true sight starts to kick in. And she realizes that Mrs. Walters is green. Um She's like, uh, how long is this? Like, how long has this been going on? Mrs. Walters freaks out and is like, wait, you can really see me? Um, and then she is like, that's what I get for buying that discount concealer. And like, <laughs> throws some powder, disappears in a poof of smoke. And it's just like, gone. Um, so it's the first time we really get to see like, um, Mr. Ware wasn't wrong. Like, literally, the supernatural are everywhere. They are, like, he was like, they're your neighbors. They're, you know, teachers and all that kind of stuff. Like, quite literally, her neighbor is a witch. Um, And not only a witch, though, I was like, yo, uh, copyright infringement, wicked much? Like... Oh yeah, Um, (laughs) right, because she is, she's green. He does, she does say you look like the wicked witch of the... The East. Like, yeah. That really old movie. I'm like, okay, Peter Parker. I said, I literally wrote, okay, Peter Parker. Right. Like, how, how old are you? Um. I mean, in fairness, the original Wizard of Oz. It is, is old. old. It's very old. I'm it just saying the way that you phrased it. It's the same way that Peter Parker phrased it in the MCU. Where yes. like, you know that really old movie. Like yeah, Star Wars. <laughs> Which is also yes, it is an old movie. So yeah, so it's. So, yeah, so now she kind of sees, like, okay, no, Mr. R was not exaggerating. Now I know what the true sight is actually doing. Um, and she's kind of like, what have I gotten myself into? Um, but, you know, again, she doesn't really care. She's she's trying to find Quentin. <laughs> so now it's the next day. Um, her mom is late. And she was like we agreed that she was gonna come get me at three and now it's after four and here she is with a bunch of stuff so she's like nervous you know which makes sense as the child of like black people you and you just (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> spend oh, yeah. a lot of time sitting there like by the door, like, uh, pretty sure we gotta go. And then they're still puttering around the house or doing other stuff, and you're just like, Okay, I guess we don't have to go. <laughs> I mean, you're the one who can drive and I right, can literally so much. It's I like I'm just stressed out I'm, over here on my own. Okay. Like, are you sure? We always make fun of my dad because he doesn't do it so much anymore. I mean, he does other things, but if there was a time where it'd be like, okay, we got to be out. And the minute everybody else is ready to go, he would go and make a smoothie. And we'd just be like, so, okay, I guess we're not that. leaving yet. Like, you could have done that 10 minutes ago, While but we okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it's like, it's just a thing. Like, I get it. It's it's cultural. <laughs> Mom's was like, I gotta stop at the store. It is what it is. Um, so she comes she comes in with a bunch of bags. Is is really excited about Amari being in this camp, um, and just like thinks that it'll be good for her. And we find out she got a bunch of stuff for her because so the the like in the starter kit, it's like all you have to do is bring yourself. But Mom's was like, okay, sure. Um, so she grabs new pajamas hair products, which is super important, um, fuzzy socks. So it's like a little like care kit, which is cute. Um, and then she also gets Amari a phone, which it's like the newest one, the one she's wanted her whole life. But Amari is also kind of like, how did you get it? Cause I thought we couldn't afford it. Um, so yeah. So then we get a little bit into how, her mom ended up taking out like a payday loan in order to get these things for Amari. Um, which is like, it. yeah. <laughs> Very Being much poor so. Is so expensive. So expensive. And I, love, I do love this part that kind of like, if you think about it, like the, the main demographic reading this book is like 12, 10 to, I mean, guess like what, 10 to 13 year olds. And so, like, this idea of, like, letting them know that, like, petty loans are predatory. These things have a cost, <laughs> and, like, those costs are predatory. You know what I mean? And, like, mm-hmm. I think that, like, when you do live in a, if you, if you're a Mari and live in a house like this where you guys are go like, paycheck to paycheck, like, those kids are much more aware yeah. of that precariousness and like maybe anyone else who's like picking up this book right so like for me when I first read it I was like what does Amari know about a payday loan and I was like I that is privilege just screaming out you know what I mean because I wouldn't have known that because Mm -hmm. you know I'm not saying we weren't rolling but I but like I was never thinking about like our finances or how things come and like that's something that like Amari is acutely aware of because it's just her mom, we see how much her mom works and they've had a previous bad experience with it. So, mm-hmm. um, I hate it in terms of like the world we live in, but as like a story device or like a, I think it's like a really interesting choice that he made. I, when I read this for the first time, like I was driving with the book already, like I really was picking up the vibes and I was into it. When I read this, I felt very like seen and represented because I was hyper aware of our financial struggles as a child mm-hmm. and also had similar like concerns about um, 
if my like if the thing that my mom did now was gonna come up bite us later and like how it'd be hard to deal with that um and so when I saw the payday loan I was like oh crap like wow and then like whenever like it showed her reaction to it and like the conversation we had about like avoiding talking about it um because there's like a it's the phrase is like a familiar creeping sadness Mm -hmm. and I was very much like taking back into like that (laughs) being young and having that level of concern about things that are supposed to be adult concerns but they're actually like if you are aware of the struggle of it um the concerns that you hold anyway whether Mm -hmm. your parent is trying to protect you from it or not um like especially if they're like like her mom is here is like like tells her how she was able to afford it um and i love that that was like so well represented here and it kind of shows a lot for like how financially insecure households are not only insecure but they're also open to like vulnerability and predatory like practices and schemes and that just makes it so much more vulnerable and so much more insecure as a household and it's just super sad because we do like Quentin isn't there and he was the only other person who was bringing a source of income to the house mm-hmm. um we don't hear a lot about their father and that's for a reason and so it's interesting to me because early in the chapter um the mom says something about like when Quentin went to the camp he came back so much more mature However, Amari's already holding a lot of maturity that a, a, a lot of other kids may not have to worry about because she's already concerned about things that are usually out of, or not usually, can be out of range for a lot of kids her age. So I love that it was a representative thing of all of that. I also wanted to note that when Mrs. Ware came up to the house, I was annoyed at her because she said something about, I saw who you were with implying mm-hmm. that her being with Jaden at the bus stop was bad and I could see that being like oh you were with a boy kind of thing like that kind of thing but for me it came more of like a stereotype of like oh Quentin has been one of them little boys who be hang- who hangs around with all those older boys or whatever and he's a bad reputation or whatever and you shouldn't be around him kind of that and like the stereotype of that yeah and I was really mm-hmm. annoyed um but I love that this is like the interrogation of like belonging to communities and showing like actual things that are going through um that are happening within communities and how we people talk about like each other within the community and how we struggle in the things individually to ourselves in the communities as well so i don't know that um i'm sure there's other households in the community that have gone through similar things financially with payday loans as amari and her family but i don't know that they talk about it i feel like it's a thing that financials are always kept quiet um, unless maybe uh, someone kind of can tell what's going on and then they kind of try to help you out. But for the most part, no one really digs into the nitty gritty unless they just had that close of a relationship. So it's, right. it feels like it feels like it's adding up to all the pressure <laughs> that Amari mm-hmm. is carrying because she's carrying the pressure of like uh, wanting to live up to Quentin's maturity that her mom says that she needs to have because she just lost scholarship to the school and now her mom is digging another financial hole just to make sure that Amari can make it into the camp well and so that's another pressure that Amari has to hold on to but she's also got the pressure of trying to figure out what's going on with Quentin and keep the secrets about where she's going to find out about Quentin so it's just a lot of stress adding up more and more for Amari 
And it's a lot of stuff that she can't control. Like she, she sees it happening. She, it. she understands yeah. that it's bad or that it shouldn't be happening or that like, you know, you can wish that things were different, but if you can't actually like do anything about it, it's very um distressing. But we also see too, like just once we go a little bit further down to this page, like Mama Peters is not doing this just like blindly. Like she has mm-hmm. faith that like this actually like for her this is an investment and she understands kind of I think what she's trying to like convey to Amari that she's she understands the risk and thinks that it is worth it um in order for not only for Amari to be able to attend this camp because like Amari could attend this camp without a phone right but for Amari to attend this camp and be safe and able to like reach her and contact her which I think is probably even more at the forefront of her mind because Quentin has disappeared and so like that open communication and knowing that like you can call me and I will come get you know what I mean like like Mm -hmm. I am available to you I think is for both of their pieces of peace of mind as well um but that Mama Peters has thought this through um in in the sense that like this will help you succeed at this camp and succeeding at this camp will then make this sacrifice of this payday loan well worth right it. yeah it doesn't sound like a reckless decision just a risky one like she's thought it through yeah. she she knows the risk that she's taking but it's not like she just did it on like impulse or something yeah like she's that. not trying to flex for Amari like oh yeah. i got you this phone like as like a you know um, congratulations for getting into this camp, even though you were grounded two two days ago. Like <laughs> it is definitely like a like it's I like thought practical. this through. It's practical, yeah. It's just that it just so happens that, like I said, like it's very expensive to be poor because in order to to have a practical to make this practical choice, she has to do something that's kind of impractical in in terms of the the loan. Mm-hmm. Wizard Team is brought to you by Black Nerds Create, a collective providing content through the lens of critical and creative fandom. If you want to support or partner with BNC on projects like Wizard Team, let's build. Find out how at blacknerdscreate.com support. Okay, so they are, like we said before the break, running on CPT. Um, so they have, she has to be there by 6. It's 4.07, and apparently there's a big music festival downtown, which means there's going to be lots of traffic. Um, someone who, who commutes often. I know the vibes. It's, <laughs> it's the struggle. Um, so... Mom was like, that's fine, though. Like, we can get there if we take the side roads and the back streets. We're not going to get on any major roads, which reminded me so much of um, our Auntie Robin 
she always <laughs> she don't ever want to get on the freeway. She's always gonna be taking mm-hmm. some side roads. And like I took one of those roads one time when I was just got tired of traffic, and it honestly it takes longer. Not, it takes longer. It literally takes longer. You're going. You're like you are in constant motion, which is I think. But the, even still, like, you're not because the, then you you're hitting stoplights and then you're sitting there yeah. and that light is hella long and then there are uh, more cars on the freeway because it's still rush hour. Like or not on the freeway on the road because it's still rush hour. So it doesn't actually. And you're take going longer. way out of the way. Mm-hmm. I I don't get it. Yeah, I'd rather just sit in traffic and be a little bit frustrated. Yeah, people who enjoy those and enjoy the scenic route or like the not being in as congested like gas, like smelling all the gasoline and fuel exhaust coming out like (laughs) on the highway in the traffic. But yeah, yeah, it's like really makes sense to do it is whenever it's like a clear day. But if it's a clear day, just go and take the freeway. Yeah, go take. The only thing I can think is like if there's an actual like. If you're at like Detour. a stop, you know what I mean. Like yeah. if the freeway is at a standstill, then like if there's okay, like yeah, an sure, accident that you're trying yeah. to get around or something like that. It, it's literally it's just the illusion of motion of, that makes yeah. people think that they're going somewhere when you are literally not. Mm-hmm. It, it's you're not saving any time. Exactly. <laughs> um. So it it was just funny when I read it because I was like, I know that life too. <laughs> 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 um, so. She so, but as like we're taking the scenic route, um, Amari is seeing more of this supernatural world. She's like realizing how many people that she would just see on the regular are actually supernatural. So she sees like this one person who her uh, mom like cuts cuts him off, and he has a paw. He's growling, <laughs> um, but mom doesn't see that because she doesn't have the eye drops. Um, we see some dude at a bus stop who's literally on fire. He lights his cigarette with his flame. Um, there's a woman with snakes in her hair. Um, they stop at some red light, and there's a dark alley filled with glowing eyes. So Amari's like, okay, this is kind of crazy. I might just some after that, she's like, okay, I'm gonna just mind my business, keep my yeah. eyes in the car. Looking in the car. <laughs> Before something the jumps out at me. about this passage was like, it sounded like a commercial for a true sight. Like if you were like, <laughs> you had a commercial, they'd be like, when you want you to put on the address, the whole world awakens for you. And then like you're driving down the street and there's a guy with a paw growling. And then when you turn around, there's a woman with a Medusa's hair who has mm-hmm. like, who's waving you into traffic, letting you have the right away. Like it was like a whole like, uh, montage of like why you should use true sight so you yeah. can see the world around you in a greater way and me i was just like this is a accident waiting to happen like i mean i guess i'm glad that she's not and driving she can't drive yeah and so <laughs> and so she'll get used to it before she starts being able to drive and then she'll be used to these sites but like if I was like sixteen and I put on tree sight and drove myself to the hotel, it would be overweight. I'd have been in an accident. I'd have been like, "Listen, I'm sorry, I'm late, but I turned left and there was a man on fire lighting a cigarette on his forehead, and I ran into, I ran off the curb. I'm sorry, like I was unprepared. Right, like it was literally a fire, and I, I got scared. It's fine. <laughs> um. <laughs> so yeah so Amari's like okay yeah this is like I didn't know this world existed two days ago but clearly it's here it's it's been here here we are <laughs> um she has a moment where she kind of like wishes she could tell her mom about it 
Um, but okay, so we talked about like the fact that the bureau does not tell non-bureau parents like what's actually going on, but then we talked about Amari, and so like she doesn't tell her because she's like, Mom would not want me to go to the same secret agency that had something to do with her son going missing. Like it would be <laughs> it would be reps. Um and so it also in some ways like again like for Amari it's more of a loyalty to herself than to the bureau because it's not because the bureau said to keep it secret it's because otherwise I can't go and like find out what's going on with my brother um but I also like that Amari says honestly this whole thing makes her nervous too because mm-hmm. I'm like I feel like she's talking about it being her mom's concerns but low-key like sometimes a mom's concerned voices are our concerned voices so, yeah like, like the conscience how right. to like have fear and how to be aware of things or mm-hmm. whatever so it's like when your mom is like it's like you so there's some things that you get over you're like my mom be tripping on that that's not even a big deal but there's some things like oh crap mm, mm, mama would not <laughs> like this and i don't know if i like it either mm-hmm. mm. So I love exactly. that this is kind of like her using her mom lens. Like my mom would be upset, but she on- honestly is upset as well. That's real. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. It's super overwhelming. And like, just yeah, it's just a lot to take in when, again, you only learned that it existed two days ago. And even then you barely knew. Like you're still, you still don't really know what you're getting into. Um. So to keep herself from freaking out, she pulls out a thousand and one careers from her bag. Um, only this time, because she, now she has the eye drops, she can actually read. There are actually words on the pages. Um, and like her mom asks what it is and she kind of freaks out for a second before she remembers that moms can't see anything in it because it looks blank to those without true sight. Um, so she's like looking through the careers. She finds this... Um, full page photo of a bulky bearded guy in a cowboy hat decked out in a dark gray suit he's aiming a flaming axe towards the camera um and it says his gray eyes are so intense it's like he's daring me to turn the page without reading first so she reads and it's this ad like or job listing um for the junior agent position in the department of supernatural investigations um this part is like very men in black (laughs) like as I was reading it I was just like okay yeah um because like it's like you have the bureau as a whole but like this is very much just like it's called a junior you can become a a special agent today um so the minimum badge requirement is bronze and chief responsibilities are to serve and protect both humans and non-humans alike against supernatural threats foreign and domestic um enforcement of the laws that govern supernatural entities living in the known world. Those who excel in this position may be promoted to senior agents, surveillance agents, special agents, and more. Um, so it's definitely supernatural cops. That's that's what this is. But I want to go back to my indoctrination thing for the way that they described this, like, described Agent Beauregard Magnus, the person with the in the photo, um, mm-hmm. as a superhero. And they're, like, using, like, tropes that people who are not aware of this world would look up to and idolize mm-hmm. as, like... Or even those who are. Um, indoctrination. Copaganda! Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting that enforcement equals superheroism. And mm-hmm. I am, like, y'all keep, like, it's, it's keep... It, 
continues to like make the case because there's more instances of this of like you should look up to these people you should uh these are the people that you should listen to these are the people that we idolize these are people you should also idolize etc etc and it's creepy yeah um we finally have like a list of like noteworthy agents which again kind of like goes into the whole superhero of it all um but there's beowulf captain ahab abraham van helsing captain nemo dr jekyll and mr hyde um it looks like dr jekyll was a part-time researcher and then mr hyde was the agent um sherlock holmes maria van helsing and quentin peters um so here we're like starting to get a little bit more information about quentin and like what he was doing um so we find out he was an agent um and I love this part because Amari's like, this is crazy. Agent Magnus looks like a person you'd call if a bear got lost in the zoo. Quentin is afraid of spiders, even the tiny ones. Um, so it's just like her learning more about her brother than she would guess or even like think given like what she knows about him and his personality. Um, she, so I love she asks, that she continues oh, to ahead. shade him as a sibling. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it is like ingrained, I think. Like, there's just like, it, you can't even, you can't stop it from happening. It just happens naturally. Mm-hmm. There's a moment to shade your sibling. You gotta shade your sibling. Yeah, you gotta take it. Take like, the I'll opportunity. This guy? This, like, are you for real? <laughs> like, this, he's a nerd. He's like, are you for real? <laughs> are you sure? Um, can't be that so- hard. Right, if Quentin, who's afraid of spiders, can do it, I can do it. <laughs> uh, so she asks her mom, like, what she knows about the summer camp. Um, and so we find out it's... The way they explain it to non-bureau parents is that it's a leadership camp where you get to go and, like, meet people in high places, essentially. Um, and she's just like, these kind of programs will pay off when you're an adult. Um it's not about what you know, it's who you know. So she's just trying, like, anything she can do to get her kids opportunities that will get them out of their neighborhood is essentially, like, what her mom is, you know, that's, like, what she's about, which is what we have known since the first, or, like, learned in the first chapter. Um, she then makes Amari promise that she'll go to college and instead of following in Quentin's footsteps. Um and Amari is like, do you think they have anything to do with, like, his disappearance? Um, which mom is like, no, otherwise I would obviously not let you come. But I want you to, like, use this opportunity to get a leg up and to, like, have a, she says, safe and happy life. Which is really ironic, given that she's driving her to the place where, you know, her son went missing. It's not it. safe. It's not safe. We'll not. see if it's happy. We'll we don't know. Um it's de- yeah. we definitely know it's not safe though. Um and again, going back to like not giving parents full information before having them turn their kids over to you. Um, to note here again with the indoctrination and manipulation of the like they are putting forward the idea that the this is all about being in the right circles and mm-hmm. uh, mingling with the right people, which, like, as her mom notes, is something that you that is it is true about adult life, but the system itself is wrong. 
Yeah. Um, not that she can do anything about it. So she's like playing into it to like get her kids a leg up where she can. And I think as you like, when we talk about through here, like all the impressions that are made um, going forward and everything, it's like very much like using all the like auspices of like everything being like privileged and elite and all of that. Um, not only to kind of like lull people into a sense of like security, but also um, it is true to like what we will learn about how the system rolls later on. Right. Like what they value, who they mm-hmm. value. Yeah. Um. So they pull up to the Vanderbilt Hotel at 6.02, which honestly, it's not terrible. That's not like bad. to me. That's on time, right? You get a ten minute buffer, don't you? I feel like, and like if, you, if I can run, if I can run real quick, I'll be fine. Actually, yeah, I would say I even like five minutes. minutes. She's under five minutes. That's on right. time. But um, so we find so she pulls up. We see the a dude with a cowboy hat. So um, which obviously she recognizes as Agent Magnus from the job listing. Um, so. She pulls out, she runs out. She's like, Agent Mattis, I'm here. He doesn't stop or turn around. Like, it's like maybe he hears her or not. It's not clear, but he keeps going. Um, and then when Amari says that he that she's Quentin's little sister, that's what gets him to, like, stop and pay attention. Um, he talks, sits and, like, talks with the mom. Um, looks like they, little flirt. <laughs> little bit of like but it also doesn't seem like it means anything but just like you know harmless flirting whatever um and then but then so this part kind of got me because then he turns to amari and is like you're late and i'm just like she can't drive and this is like something that it's like (laughs) not really within like it's in this moment but also just like took me back to like childhood and like playing sports and stuff and it's like if you're late to practice you gotta run laps but it's like I wasn't the one who got me here (laughs) it's not to say that it's not always the kid's fault that you're late but there are moments where like it's really Mm -hmm. the parents fault your your dad was making a smoothie and you had to be at practice you know what I mean like so it's always like that I don't know I never understood that as a kid um, like obviously there's like importance in being on time but if it's outside of your control then like I don't think you should get punished for it being outside of your control you know I have very complicated feelings about being on time because I'm never on time and um, taking a long time to figure out why I'm never on time which is that I do not I do not perceive time which kind of yeah. is the problem when you uh need to be somewhere on time but um I agree with you about like the you know it's it's not her fault or she doesn't have really like control over it but I also feel like in even if it was like you know Amari was holding them up or whatever like in Mm -hmm. modern society Especially with like driving, there's a music festival. There's like, you know, there are like a lot of like un things that are out of your control and out like um just factors that you have no control over. And mm-hmm. there's a sense that we we 
assign like a moral value to kind of being able to like just read the future like it's it's a moral failing if you're not on time but it's also a moral failing to like waste time so if you show up somewhere Mm -hmm. too early you know what I mean like we're supposed to just like you know I think people get a little bit more grace when they're early but if they're too early Right. Like I, we were just like making fun of my grandmother who was like, if you had to be at the airport at five, she was showing up at your house at two. And you're like, what are we doing for these three hours? It takes two minutes to get there. Right. (laughs) Like, so like, there's also like, you can, you, you can fail either way, but then there's like this assigning of like, motive I guess or like or or um intention to being mm-hmm. late as as if it's just not like a a happenstance or like something that like you know whatever and I, I I could be a little bit more like accepting if he was like you were late I'm noting this and if it continues to happen we'll have a problem right because that's right. when he, like for me right the first time you meet me and I'm late don't hold that against me. You don't know what's going on. The fifth, mm-hmm. sixth, seventh time, like, yeah, that's who I am as a person. And I'm, you know, like. I But I want to say this, because it's also, I just wanted to make sure that we're very clear. Like, performance of timeliness and absenteeism is an ableist performance thing of, like, mm-hmm. holding this. Like, that's all, it all dependent on the person having the ability to be able to do these, all these things, right? And be on time. So, say someone has a chronic illness. And that's something they're consistently contending with. You cannot plan when you're going to have a flare or X, Y, Z. So being there, albeit, but especially if it's two minutes late. That's what, yeah, I'm like, that's. It's probably a win for yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And, and my thing is, is like. Away from that win. If she was like an hour late, then I feel like this talk would maybe be a little Without bit more warranted excuse, only because it's like, like, a valid, like right if she's just like oops my bad I'm here you know what I mean like I could see it being like okay because there is like uh, there's like a lot of things in, like Robin was saying like it's very complicated there is something to be said about other people's time as well though it's just like a very like it's so many different inputs and outputs for this like thing so like if Magnus was standing out there for an hour and he's you know that's a problem but literally two minutes like she's on time she's not late but it's also (laughs) not only like if madness is standing out there for an hour that's a problem but my thing is that like i'm okay with i'm okay with you mentioning like you get like a timeliness part of it as a like yeah or as a not even like to me like the first time you meet someone it shouldn't even be a warning it should be like a i took note of this Mm mm-hmm the second time would be a warning to me, right? It's right. like, okay, I took note of this. Like, there are plenty of reasons why this could have happened. First off, she just found she out just about found it out. yesterday. Like, it technically you know what I mean? Already. Like, you didn't, right? You didn't really give her, you didn't give her the time to prepare, and so this is one of those things where you like. To me, it's like mentioning it is just like a. I've noticed this. Let's not make mm-hmm. it a habit. Right. Right. Which is like a thing that be... then like sparks in Amari 
Like, it shouldn't be, like, a, you don't make it, like, a thing. A but thing. it also sparks yeah. in Amari once she's in this program where she, where she is kind of going to, like, she's not waiting on her mom to drive her across town, right? She's going to be kind of more in control of her own time. It will help her be like, oh, if I have to meet Magnus somewhere, I have to make sure and plan yeah, better. On the dot. <laughs> but also, like, right. But also, like, could she have... Does she have a way of like letting them know that she's going to be late or they're stuck in traffic? Like that's nope. a, the other part about this that like, you know what I mean? So there's, there's like I said, there's a like two a two way street. Like, yeah, exactly. absolutely. So it's like, like you're like, you're you have to Magnus's time. But you can't even tell him exactly. that like, like oh, I'm going to be two minutes late. So he can be ready for that. And like the way that she, or then the way like, he does it, especially because right he's like, and my thing is too, is it's also like the juxtaposition of him like, flirting with her mama and being like, you know, it's always a pleasure. I'll make sure Amari's well looked after. And then is like, you know, you had one favor because I messed with Quentin. The first thing you say to me, I'm ignoring me. Is like, we do not make excuses. If you were anybody else, you'd be headed back home. Like, for real, she just drove like two hours to get here. And it's like, you ain't got no more favors now. Like, it just is like a lot. For somebody that you just met. What if you ran into a man with a cabbage cart on the way there? <laughs> My cabbages! <laughs> and they had to help the man get his cabbages together because that was the kind of day they were having. You know, you know? just and like we're like, saying, what do you context matters. Context it does. Matters. It's like there's a difference between excuses like, and context. I really like... Yeah, right. there's, just, there's a difference. So, And I also it, think that like... But, but also the fact that she like once she's on campus or whatever, like her t- her schedule is like she her being on time two places that's on her. Like that's exactly right. that's like, what I was, and that's what I was saying it's is literally like, on her. If you make if you just say like I make I'm making note of this, let's not make it a habit. It's not mm-hmm. a warning. It's just like a, I noticed mm-hmm. this thing. Then when she is more in control, in control. and more culpable for the timing, which is like you know that in this school like or in this program yeah, right she's yeah. not really contending with like the traffic of a city and mm-hmm. music festivals and her mother's work schedule because like even her mom isn't fully in control of her time like yes she decided to go shopping and stuff like that but like again they had a day and she had stuff she had needed supplies she needed pajamas mm-hmm. like you, you know what I mean? the point for my argument that i'm gonna make in a minute but yes <laughs> yeah so, so yeah, like when just... she is more yeah i don't like yeah. it yeah it no, it, it's very like, dang, for real. Like you coming in a little, like <laughs> it's like, please relax. Um, coming in real hot first, and the first time I met you, like you're telling me that I'm making a bad impression by being two minutes late, but you're making a bad impression by telling me there goes one favor owed. Excuse me for after two me? minutes. It was two minutes. You actually wasted more time for two minutes <laughs> telling me off about the yes. two minutes. Yep. That's, oh my gosh, that was so my main. That used to be good. I hate injustice so much that it came from me being <laughs> as a kid. And that used to be the most annoying thing to me. It's like you're mad about you're this me. thing taking a time or whatever, but you taking time to do this, but while we're trying to go do the thing, is it making us take more time? Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. Now I'm going to be um, 10 minutes late because you wanted to stand here, flirt with my mama, and then lecture me. And lecture me. me. So, exactly. <laughs> it's like, I'm supposed, and I'm supposed to be somewhere anyway. They, so he's like, um, you know, time, time to go after all of that. Um, he asks Amari if he's ready, if, if she's ready, and she's like, I think so. He grins and say, and says, oh, I doubt that very much. 
Um, which is the end of that chapter. I just want to link the one more thing that I caught yeah. in the passage, which was that uh, he says, always a pleasure, Renee. And I didn't clock before that the mom's name is Renee. Oh, I yeah. Mari's middle name, middle is, name Renee. is Renee. Yeah. And oh, and my gave her first name as her middle name is just hilarious to me. First off, my name is Renee. Hey, Renee. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, my uh, brother's middle name is my my dad's first name. I love that. It's fun. I, I think that. it's funny. She's yeah. like, oh, no. Like, Renee will live on. We will not. Yeah. It's a family name. Okay. Um, MVP. Okay. I said moms because she's doing what she needs to do, and you know, parenting with all of the information she is being given. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> you know, she's she's trying to do her best by her kid, um, and she should just be given more information. I think personally. Yeah, I mean, give, with the information that she has, she's making, like, good judgment calls. Mm-hmm. They're bad judgment calls only because she doesn't know what she doesn't know. Like, you lied to me. So I made, I made a, like, cognizant decision based off of lies you told. Right. That's not my problem. That's your problem. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I made Amari my MVP. I think that there's, like, the line in which she's, like, she says, uh, I'm only entering this program to find out what happened to my brother. Once I do, I don't care if I ever see the supernatural world again. And like, we talk about it multiple times, but I think like that just like is a great like encapsulation of like Amari's making these decisions with a goal in mind. She's very goal oriented. And she is like, even when these things scare me, even when I'm like, this is suspect, like I'm clocking and I'm taking note of this stuff, but like, at the end of the day, I'm going to do what I have to do to find my brother. And I think that that like sense of determination and like dedication and commitment is really admirable, especially thinking of who I was at 12, like something scared me. I was not doing it. I was, I'm sorry to this brother. Um, can't be me. I'm going to have to like me and mama going to have to sit down. I'm going to tell you what I know. and We'll deal with the consequences of me breaking secrets later. But like you going to have to fix it, mama, because <laughs> I put on these eye drops and the neighbor is green and I, I that's where I check out. So mm-hmm. this is on you now. I am a child. So like kudos to Amari because I'm a coward. I <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> Immediately, no. Mm-mm. I also made Amari my MVP, um, mainly because the pressure is consistently getting lesser for her, and she is still looking them in the face and taking them down where she can. Um, that whole money convo, especially, just like took me back to times where I was, whenever I was like, "Oh, how am I gonna have?" this and that and then somehow we made it through and but also the like putting stuff on your own back that you probably shouldn't and like the fact that and I'm trying to look at the where it starts the passage where um where her mom explains that not only did she get some of the money from payday loan but she had a little money stashed away in case of emergency um and since the program offers a scholarship then she won't be able to she will have 
still have that money to use for this shopping trip and not put towards our tuition for the next school year. And then Amari's like, the scholarship isn't guaranteed and there's a chance I won't get it. And then her mom is like, but you're my daughter and Quentin's baby sister. Um, there's no chance they won't give you that scholarship. And she just has to sit with the fact that she's not nearly as good as Quentin used to be. And she just doesn't say anything about it because she doesn't want to make her mom sad. But it's consistent pressure and stress that's put on this 12-year-old girl. And she shows up two minutes late and this man tells her that the one favor she could look for from him is now gone. And she's just up, like, what is this? And so mm-hmm. I feel for her in so many ways. And I think she's doing the best she can just like her mom's doing her best she can. And I really have my heart out for her um, in this chapter, especially. Um. Okay, what about Benched? I benched the Bureau. Just, um, I wanted to kind of try to go back to benching one person, but like, I don't know who in the bureau decided that you are going to lie to non-bureau parents about what their 12-year-olds are getting into over a full summer when you're keeping them full-time. But that that ain't cool with me. So whoever that person is, is bitch. But since I don't know that person's name, all of them. And like, but no, actually all of them are bitch because they all know that this is happening and no one is whistleblowing. We don't have like... Mm-hmm. Magnus is pulling Renee to the side being like so you know this is what's going on just flirting with her and then taking her daughter into unknown her daughter knowing, no. knowing that her knowing son has disappeared <laughs> yeah no it. yeah they it's, all gotta yeah. sit they all gotta sit it's not good it's definitely not good um I benched Magnus just cause I'm I'm trying but it was a very, like, when I wrote it in my notebook, I had a question mark because I was like, the Bureau is really wild right now as a whole. <laughs> but I did Magnus um, specifically for, like, putting a little too much heat on the don't be late lecture. Like, he needed to relax. Um, even though, like, generally, I don't have a huge problem with him. But, like, this particular chapter is just, like, not a good first impression, bro. Like, relax. It's okay. She's 12. <laughs> in a similar vein i also benched the bureau but i i put it on like it's the whole system is culpable but i put it on the uh, bureau execs for having this policy and not changing it or even like in the founding of it having written it in such a way that they would have actually been like doing the things that proposed earlier in this episode about at least giving the parents the minimum of information about this world that their kids are um, entering into and gaining their consent, like informed consent, and then um, swearing them to secrecy with even stronger than Beyonce's um, NDAs. Like, Mm. Like, (laughs) like that's what they could have done. Because if it's magically binding, I'm it's like even stronger than Beyonce level NDAs. They could I love that, that and they did it. Porsche's uh, measurement for the strength of an NDA is Beyonce. It's I like, mean, but it's, whatever Twitter is doing, because we know every single email that a Twitter employee gets as soon as they get it, whatever that is. And then there's like the government, and then there's like Beyonce. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. 
So you need to have magic if you're going to outdo Beyonce's NDA. <laughs> Very much so. It's true. And I also uh, benched uh, predatory capitalism because if it were not for um, Amari's mother not having um, the ability to control her own time, if it were not for um, like the the lack of money that is available to this small family to just do basic stuff then there would not be so much stress on this 12 year old and her mother and other people in her community, on Jaden on the kids that he rolls with on all like it would not be a current and the payday loans are just a symptom of um predatory capitalism but mm-hmm. it's such a like easy snowball into like a bigger like an avalanche effect of predatory capitalist behaviors that I just like am not only disgusted but also just like deeply like bereft and like sad about how big of a role it plays in people's lives when they really just need help and I think brain drain is also a symptom of that and like so that the also like dependency on like scholarship just to make a better life is also a level of predatory capitalism how do we talk about that IDK because it does help but it also does suck um Mm -hmm. so all of that was my bench for this week wow what um thank you guys so much for listening join us next week when we discuss chapter eight Wizard Team is brought to you by Black Nerds Create. If you want to keep up with our other content, you can check out our website at blacknerdscreate.com. If you happen to still be on Twitter and plan to keep sticking it out, we are for better or worse. Um, so you can follow us at blknerdscreate, at Yana wrote it, at Robin underscore rambles, and at poor Shia. Um, BNC is also on Instagram at Black Nerds Create. We're on Tumblr at Black Nerds Create. Um, so if you are not on Twitter and deciding to, you know, divest from that and be good to yourself. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Tumblr <laughs> as well. Um, subscribe to our monthly magic newsletter and don't forget to rate and review. Thanks, y'all. Mm-hmm.